Today's scripture reading is Acts 12, verses 1 through 17. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter follows him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leaving the city, leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the left of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. I would suspect that there are those in this room, I don't know how many, I can't imagine how many, who are just dreamers. They can dream the biggest dream and go after the biggest things that anybody could ever even think of. Then there are those of us who are our worst enemies. If a dream attempts to come in, we will then flatten it all by ourselves. No, that probably won't happen. No, I don't think so. Well, maybe if I just had a bigger job, if I just had another family. And so what I'd like to do this morning, by God's grace, is move some of those of you who really are not dreamers over to the section where those are dreaming. Now, the dreamers are going to say amen a lot. You're going to think a lot. Now, we do need thinkers, but I want you to know that we have a God that doesn't play around. He specializes in making the impossible possible. Now let me give you a little full disclosure. I grew up in a good church. I think it was good. 
I grew up in a church that would um, preach deep into the Word. They had the Sunday school, they had the Bible study, they had prayer meetings. And basically, God used that church to position me where I am today. And I think probably those of you who came from that church, a few of you here, can say the same. But this is what they didn't do. They did not talk in terms of making possible the impossible. Let me, let me fix that up a bit. They preached on it. They sang on it. But in a practical sense, we all thought, at least I grew up thinking, that I would just marry the right person, get a good job, and be a good church member. The idea of going out dreaming huge dreams that could change my community, that could change the world, and possibly even change the church was really just not a part of our style. I had a, a conversation with my wife as I was working through this. I, I really, um, I'm not sure how this is gonna work. But I think what happened to me when I was working through Acts chapter 12, and Jane said to me, are you grieving? And I said, you know what? There is a type of grief that I have because maybe I could have seen some spectacular things happen in my life, in my community, in my neighborhood, wherever it might be, even in the church. But I didn't think to go there because there was not a, a, a style, I'm not going to say not a teaching, there was not a style that said, we are going to conquer whatever is inconquerable. So then, around the time that I was growing up, the charismatics came along. And for a charismatic, everything was possible. And they made all those around them, around me, nervous. But you know what? The Bible should be rechanged. The name should be rechanged. And it should be the possible can take over the impossible. Because on every page of Scripture, almost every page of Scripture, you have people getting healed. You have people getting uh, water turning into wine, people raising from the dead. It's there. And I'm trying to figure out how on earth could I be in church most of my life, particularly my young life, and we didn't get into the details of how do you live your life believing and practicing capturing the impossible and saying, we can do this. I don't care what's in front of us. We can do this. So now I get to Acts chapter 12, and I'm working through in my own soul when I think of that which is impossible in my life. Could God inspire me to capture these things and say, not today. God is going to do something absolutely crazy. Think about it. I am praying for about four people 
who a couple of them are waiting on some reports from the doctor and others of them, one of them writes me, um, he writes his, uh, his list, his, his email list. He's got cancer. And the question is, could God heal him? If it's the God of the Bible, of course he could. Do I pray in those terms or have I accepted that, well, he's just going to be sick and Lord, just make him not so sick? Church, there are three things I want to say in Acts chapter 12. There are lessons, and I'm calling them life lessons, and they capture this whole thing of Peter being in jail and being free. That's in your Bible. Amen? Amen. It's in your Bible. The first century church, we know a lot about their prayer meetings. We don't know a lot about how they did church. But we do know these were praying people. And so let's, um, let's take a look at it in um, Acts chapter uh, 12. And uh, I want to deal with the first section. And uh, I want to deal with verse 4 just to capture it out a little bit. These were hard times. James had just been killed. And they went after Peter. Peter was a leader in the church. They knew what they were doing. They were trying to get a hold of Peter. Verse 4 says this. After arresting him, Herod, he, Herod, put him in prison, handing him over to the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. For all practical purposes, Peter was on death row. The Roman prison didn't exist to keep people there like they do today, like we do today in other countries. The only reason why he was in prison is because he was going to be killed, and it was a waiting place. So it was a dark, dark time and when you have 16 soldiers that are watching out for you to make sure you don't get out, and you have two of those 16 that are chained to you, I would say without equivocation, it was a dark time. And if you want to know the truth, it was an impossible situation. Peter was in prison scheduled to be killed. And so the lessons that I want to pass on to you, interestingly enough, didn't come from Peter and what Peter said or what Peter didn't say. It came from the body of Christ. It came from the community of believers. And here's the first thing I want to say. They stepped up. They stepped up. They committed to pray. Now, the text says in verse 5 that Peter was kept in prison 
but the church earnestly praying for God, for, for, for him. This was a challenge. Earnestness in prayer is not now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. The idea of, of, of earnestness is the idea of strenuous work. And church, I get it why it's not easy to get Christians to pray. Because it's hard, hard work. So the picture that I have of these saints is when they got in the message that Peter was in prison, Peter was one of the leaders, they had, I'm sure they, were, they had been praying for James, and James was killed, that they called a meeting, and they entered into the hard work of praying. It was about Peter, but then it really wasn't about Peter. It was really about the body of Christ. And that's what impresses me so much when I think about church. So Peter was in prison in a dark place and the people were praying. I don't think when, when, um, when Herod went up against the Christians that he knew what he was getting into. This was not a fair fright. I'm coming, honey. I'm coming. Let's look at it this way. A couple of things. Herod, he only had his edicts, his prison, and his executions. That's all he had. The saints had prayer, they had God's word, and they had hope. Let's put it this way. Herod was a, a, a type of Putin. And these saints were, were like the ones that had the hope. They had everything. He only had soldiers. The saints of God had the angels. He was full of fear. Guess what about the saints? They were full of faith. The prison was dark. It was, it was dank, it was below ground, but the Christians had the light. Herod sat alone on his throne, and the, the saints were amazed by the power of God. And so it wasn't a fair fight. It wasn't a fair fight. So, but they stepped up. They stepped up and did the hard work of prayer. The community, second point, the community of believers, after they stepped up, they stepped back. Because you see, you don't know and I don't know, really, if we want to know the truth, we can pray to God and we can try as best we can to believe God, but we have no idea what he's going to do. Do you think they didn't pray for James? I think they had a similar prayer meeting for James, but God took James. 
So they didn't know except to say that they were going to step back and let God do what God does. You don't tell God what to do. You ask him. You appeal to him. As a matter of fact, you try to get on the same page with God. That's what we're trying to do when we pray. And I think that means we've got to be willing to step back and let God be God. And so this is what God did. He sent an angel. The angel was not on the visitors list. The angel came through and woke Peter up. Peter gets up. The angel says, and this is almost funny, quickly put on your clothes. You don't have to be quick. He's going to do what he's going to do. He's already put some kind of a, a, a glaze over the minds of the soldiers. They were not asleep, church. Those folk didn't sleep. But something that God did shut down their consciousness. The chains fell off. They had, uh, and, and what it says about Peter in uh, verse, what is it, verse 9, he had no idea what the angel was doing, what was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Now, we don't know Peter as a quiet person. We don't know Peter as one who sits still. We know Peter as a praiser, as a worshiper. We know Peter as jumping into the water and walking on the water to see Jesus. We know Peter always saying something, but for whatever reason, he didn't say anything when he was in jail. I have a question. Could it be, and I don't know, that Peter was on the edge of being discouraged. I don't know. John at one point got discouraged. We know people, he was human. But somehow God kept him quiet. He might have blown the effort if he was, if, if he was himself. But he wasn't. And so God delivered him out of the prison. He was a free man. And when he got out, it began to hit him. This is for real. You got to read this story. It's full of intrigue. And so where did he go? The, um, the saints had stepped up to, to pray. They stepped back to let God do what he was going to do. And for all practical purposes, the mission was done. Peter was out of prison. The, the impossible became possible. But if you leave out the last section, you're in trouble. 
the last section, and I, and I had a question whether I should even make it a section, but let's say for, for, for our preaching, I'll make it a section. This is the third section, that the community stayed strong, but it wasn't easy. So you know the story, right? But watch the contrast. He was out of prison, completely free. And then he knocks on the door of those who he knows. And he's got to keep knocking. He's got to keep knocking. So Rhoda, I wish somebody would do a little study on Rhoda. I didn't have enough time to get deep into Rhoda. But Rhoda was a slave girl. And she must not have been part of the prayer meeting, she must have been the one that would sit by the door. So she recognizes the voice of Peter, and she knows, Lord, this is an impossible situation that has just become possible. So what she does, in so many words, is she crashes the prayer meeting. And she goes in full of energy, full of excitement, and says, Peter is at the door. Now, you would think that they would have said, praise the Lord. These were praying people, right? Thank you, Jesus. But whoever was in charge of the prayer meeting said to her, girl, you are crazy. Now look, I get the, 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 the environment. I get the culture. This was a man, and she was a, a female. This was uh, probably an elder, and she was a slave. He was somebody big, and she was young. When I came up, we were young and we were to be seen and not heard. And so it would have taken another act of God for this guy who represented the prayer meeting that was just crashed by this young lady to get to a place where he says, praise the Lord. But that took him a minute. He says, Surely it must be his angel. She could have said back to him, angels don't knock on doors. <laughs> angels don't knock on doors. But her enthusiasm and the contrast of what God does when he does a miracle is amazing. Don't ever think that you don't have what it takes. Don't ever think that you're too young or you're too, 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 you don't know enough. I remember that, uh, and it probably, I'm sure it happens here, people that will come and visit probably think everybody in here is super spiritual. Now, we all know that's not true. But imagine someone coming off the street, and even when you pray, you're, you're giving the word, and, and you're saying verses in your prayer, Folk, regular folk, don't understand that. And they get nervous and they think they don't belong. 
It's up to the church, the body of Christ. And this guy, the reason why I was hesitant in saying they stayed strong, because at any point in this conversation with this woman, which was this girl, which was really not a conversation, he was lording it over her and saying, you don't have it, girl. You don't got it. We are in here praying. We've got it. They had the form. And I don't want to be too hard on them. I think, yes, they were praying. And I think, yes, that God was answering the prayer. He, got, he delivered uh, uh, Peter. But listen to what I learned from this. At your highest point, you can slip. Your culture, it was a man-led, male-led culture, could slip in even when you least expect it. And you know what happened, church? It slipped in. But somewhere along the line, brother man caught himself, and he heard the knocking, and he went out, and he said, um, this is Peter. And they had a praise party. Peter said, keep it down. I've got to keep moving. Right? Because listen, if they left him out there, what do you think the soldiers would have done? I think Peter was keenly aware that they could come out after him at any point. So he had to get in the house to let them know that he was there, but then he had to keep moving. The text says he kept moving. We need to step up to prayer. As hard as it is. You don't know who's watching, who can be changed because your prayers have been so faithful we got to step up to prayer. But secondly, you've got to step back because we don't know how God is going to do what God is going to do. We don't tell him what to do. We appeal to him, and he does what he does. I'm learning that one the hard way, but it is what it is. But then the church had to stay strong, and they could have slipped, but they stayed strong. They said they praised the Lord. They thanked God. I'm not sure if they made any amends with the little girl, but all's well that ends well by God's grace. What do we learn from this? Well, I just mentioned it. I think, number one, we need to dream and dream big. I think at least what I am learning over and over again is that God is the God of the impossible. That's his style. That's who he is. And when we do what we do and live what we, how we live, we need to keep that in mind. I am not just praying to feel good. 
I'm praying that I would be healed. I'm praying that others would be healed. I'm praying that God would change the world I'm in. I'm praying that he would change my church. I'm praying that my church would do some unbelievably spectacular things by the grace of God. That's the God that we're acquainted with. And the last thing I'll say is this. We need to also realize how fragile we are. You understand what I'm saying? The scripture says that we should die daily. Don't miss a day of dying. Because, you see, when I'm, there's, there's, there's at least two of me there is the me that loves God and sings the songs of Zion. There's the me that shows up to the choir or prayer meeting or Bible study, whatever it is. There's the me that encourages you and gives you a good handshake. But then there's another me. I'm just saying, I'm just keeping it real. Stephen doesn't know about this. Don't. He'll, he'll be surprised. But there is the me that fights to keep up with who I think I am in Christ. Who shows up when we get together? The us that are just rejoicing and, um, and glad-handing and singing, whatever it is. Who shows up when the going gets tough at home? I don't think this guy that rebuked that young, excited, isn't that a picture? The man of God says to the child who's excited in Christ, you got a demon. Isn't that some kind of a shame? we can slip and be ashamed. The good thing is, God says, I will snatch you back up. So if the other side of you shows up when it ought not to show up, rebuke it in the name of Jesus and get it together. Get on the good foot. That's not who I am. I am bigger than the worst thing I've ever done. So be faithful and not frightful. Be willing to say to myself, I am willing to step up. I'm willing to step back, but I want to make sure I don't step out. The worst thing that can happen is when the wrong you shows up, you don't show up. God would have you to show up with all your hurt, with all your pain, and say, will somebody pray for me? I think the Lord speaks about prayer going to the elders because there is a point at which you can't hardly pray for yourself. I can't get a prayer out. But I, can, I got enough sense to get to somebody 
who will pray for me? When we were coming up, this wasn't in my church. This was when we did ministry in Alabama. There was a song, Somebody Prayed For Me. Had me on, uh-oh, uh-oh, come on, somebody from Alabama. Had me on their mind. Took the time. Come on, somebody. I, I, I promise I won't sing it. That ain't who I am. Uh, but took the time to pray for me. Had me on their mind. Then they sang that Jesus saved me on a Monday. And then all the Monday people get up. And Jesus saved me on a Tuesday. All the Tuesday people got up. That's the old southern church, y'all. God is, in, God is up in there too, by the way. He's up in there too. They didn't go to seminary necessarily, but they know God. And that's a good thing. That's another story for another time. As we pray, as we close, I just want to say, if you haven't looked at a difficult situation, an impossible situation, whatever it is. It could be job, it could be family, it could be health, it could be politics, it could be anything. It could be the war. Just dare to believe God so much so that you will just be willing to pray earnestly and find a group. It could be right in the church. It could be people on your Facebook, wherever it is. But find a group of believers who you can pray with, pray for, and can pray for you. There's nothing like it. I am learning that as we speak. What comes out of that is not just God answering prayer, but connectedness and a willingness to trust him. Let's pray.